Welcome to Michael Stone's podcast. This free podcast is made possible through gifts by people like you. Please consider making a donation through the donate button on the website to help us offer unique audio, video, and text-based teachings on the internet and to grow this community library. Michael's teaching bridges the gap between inner healing and social change by synthesizing traditional spiritual teachings with the insights of the West. To learn about Michael's international retreats and workshops, please visit michaelstoneteaching.com. Thank you for your support. Can I just see again a show of hands? How many of you are going to continue for the next three days? And how many? And how many are just signed up for two days? Great. So most of you are continuing, it seems, for the next three days. That's great. Well, it's going to be much better tomorrow. (laughs) Um, So, uh, I'm going to take a break from being at the front of the room speaking. And now we have some very uh, exciting guest teachers. Uh, Starting with Marie. Yeah, come sit here. Okay, so um, I'm going to talk about why I signed up uh, for the precepts course and the process I had for doing that. Uh, I had studied uh, the yamas with the traditional Ashtanga Yoga for some years and um, then I came to your workshop and I found that the way we work with the yamas in that workshop was much more deeper and richer. We did uh, exercises and it was more in the contemporary setting. So I really wanted to take the precepts course, but then I thought, no, I cannot do that because I, I work in medical research and that's including animal work. And it's, uh, so I'm constantly violating the ahimsa. And I have never told Michael about it at that time, and I thought, no, I can't do it. So I thought about it another year, and I talked to you, and you said that um, that's just the kind of thing that we work with in the precepts course. So I felt really, really relieved, and also that I should talk about it more. So that's why I mention it now. And um, I took the precepts last spring and we worked a lot with it and um, I'm still struggling but I have tools to work with it so thank you 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 were really upset yes when you first asked to talk to me yeah because you felt like 
um, somehow, if you did animal research, you were violating the whole principle of nonviolence. Yeah. Um, so when you said that, I was really excited. Because I thought, <laughs> <laughs> somebody who's doing animal research is really thinking about this. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing for the world of research. Yeah. So, yeah. now what do you think about it? Uh, well, I, I think that it's, uh, in a way, like I said before to you, that we are uh, developing medicines or drugs. That's, and if I got really sick, I would use the drugs. So, I mean, it's, in a way, I can um, live with it. But then again, if I think about it really hard, I can't live with it. So, that's the struggle. Mm-hmm. Isn't it also, it's a step in, in, in the development of science. I've been working, I've killed mice. Yeah. In my PhD study too, yeah. I gave yes. them the cholera, uh-huh. and then I uh, watched if they died from it, and if they didn't, I would anyway kill them because I had to research their intestines yeah. for the for the bacteria. Mm-hmm. But it, it's like it's a step, and there's also like all the time scientists working to develop like artificial models of say the intestines or the heart, yeah. or whatever. But they can't just invent it out of nothing so that we won't ever get to the models no. if we don't stick with the animal experiments mm-hmm. for some time mm-hmm. so it's not nice to do it but it's still mm-hmm. like we're moving mm-hmm. in that direction so maybe that sometimes makes it a little easier for yes. people yeah. <laughs> when you stand there with the animals mm-hmm. yeah and I also it's think it's not just it, it has a value mm-hmm. even if it's mm-hmm. a life yeah and I think uh, in a way that's um, I work very hard to minimize and do it as little as possible, but still. So, um, in a way, maybe it's better that someone who's thinking about it is in that position than mm-hmm. someone who's not thinking about it. Does anybody have anything you want to ask or mention? This, in Denmark, we have like the there's like an ethical council like about human stuff, but there's also like an animal ethical council. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I remember when I did my PhD, uh-huh. I took a lot of training, also courses and and joined some courses like bioethics, working with animals. So there's, yeah. I mean, I think many many scientists or people working with this, uh, they they care about the animals. Yeah. Uh, yeah, then and they follow exactly. all that. Yeah. They make they when they plan their research, they do it to uh, like spare as many mm. animal lives as possible, and like the setup of the study. So it's mm. like I think maybe there are some evil scientists somewhere, but I, yeah. I think <laughs> there are really lots of people doing it, but with a lot of consciousness. Maybe they don't yeah. have the whole mm. yoga. Ahimsa philosophy, but there's still like a lot of awareness. I, I find out yes. at least 15 years ago. When yeah, I was no, that. no, but I agree. And also, many many people that work in animal research have their own animals, or so have a lot of uh, like dogs, cats, horses. So it's really common. Um, can I ask you something? Sure. Uh, those animals are. Mice, rats, mostly. Okay. 
Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit trigger to me, I mean, so, um, which is like, just because I'm an animal rights activist. But I really like that you share it because uh, I don't know any scientists and I kind of have some faith and, and you are struggling with it. It's just so nice, so thanks. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Thank you. Uh, may I recommend that you two go on a date? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, maybe vegetarian food, though. Of, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, do you want to go next? Okay, Michael asked me to speak about how working with the precepts um, affected my personal life. And I want to talk about sex. Now we're cooking. So when I first heard about Brahmacharya, I thought, uh, that's nothing for me. It sounded of... Um, celibacy and and then I realized um, it's, it's not only um, brahmacharya it's um, all all the precepts are interconnected and have to do with each other and then when I started the course my relationship was kind of okay but I was missing sex it was we have a patchwork I have two kids my wife have has two kids and we have a little one together the little one turned three at the time I started the course and well, there was no sex any longer and I was missing something and then I started to work with the precepts and yeah, in German there is a saying um, men only want the one thing and I kind of wanted to be a different man not wanting the one thing. And then I started realizing, yes, I want the one thing. Not, not only, but, but I want it too. And that was um, very good for me to realize and to be honest to myself that I wanted. And um, then I started to be honest to my partner and um, telling her that what I wanted. And it was a great experience to... Um, yeah, to notice how this honesty worked and that we started to um, develop a totally new sex life and that I told her everything about my wishes and about uh, what I didn't dare mentioning because this would hurt her or that this would prove that I am a pervert and, and now I can talk about everything and it's just, um, well, it's brahmacharya because I noticed there is sexual energy and I can respect it and I can let it be. And it's honesty because I tell her and it's not stealing because I, I am not stealing something of me. Uh, I'm not holding back. And it's too um, not grasping because uh, well sometimes there is no sex there's still no sex but that's okay and it's um, 
non-violence because I don't violate myself trying to subdue something which is there yeah and I even struggle with um, strange things now how can kink sex be non-violent for instance so it's a very interesting um, story I got into <laughs> thank you Brahmacharya is uh, the wise use of sexual energy. It's the fourth precept. Does anybody have anything they want to say? Are you still Yes. <laughs> And I uh, realized that I... Um, left my ring at home at the finger of my wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think it's, it's very brave uh, uh, of you to, uh, to examine this, because what I found uh, practicing yoga is that the relationship is one of the, the hardest things. Uh, I myself is uh, divorced. So I guess I kind of uh, screwed up all the precepts <laughs> in this case. Uh, and also what we talked about earlier with the uh, cream, that uh, I find it sometimes easier uh, when, when, it's, when I work with precepts and it's not so closely. Uh, but when, when it comes to you know, having a relationship and being with a partner, it's, it's very, very different, difficult because it's so personal and it's so fragile. Um, and I remember one of Michael's workshops where I remember he talked about uh, sitting and enjoying the view in Copenhagen and trying to concentrate for a speak and, and a lot of girls passed by and, uh, and he was looking and it was hard to concentrate and then he saw some other guys on another bench and they were also looking <laughs> and he just let them do it. I remember you talking, and then you could concentrate and focus. Um, and for me, you know, coming to these workshops and hearing your story or Michael's stories, it makes my practice very practical and useful. Um, and also about the whole cream thing, you know, I've I found out that because I've always thought of it as being very materialistic, like stuff like a new bike or a new iPhone. But I also saw that in my relationship I was, I was also clinging because even though I was happily married, uh, there was, yeah, I, I saw other women, uh, I, I didn't cheat, but in my mind, you know, it was, I saw something beautiful and it was the same thing. I, it was like you couldn't just have a normal relationship like being friends, you know, I wanted, well, why can't I marry this girl or date this girl? But, Uh, in the in the long run, I saw it was the same thing as seeing a new iPhone. You know, I was I was I saw something beautiful and I wanted to own it. But working and being honest with these things make me realize that that it's it's okay and I can work with these things instead of just you know feeling bad about it. So your story is it's very inspiring and very great. That's good. When you speak, just speak up a little yeah, bit. Oh, um, I really appreciate that you bring that 
to the group because I think one of the things about brahmacharya is that it's often understood as this restriction or abstinence from sexual energy, whatever. And so whenever we as yogis experience sexual energy in our own relationships or in our work or whatever, that um, it's so important just to address it and allow it to be there and to practice sancha about it. And I've even done that in my own work, uh, supervising people. One time I had a situation with uh, someone I was supervising where there was a lot of sexual energy and to use these principles in that context and address it was so helpful because when we address this sexual energy that is there and practice the sort of wise use of it and say, well, it's here, but it doesn't have to damage the relationship as long as we are aware that it's here and we don't have to react on it. And I think that's actually something you taught years ago about allowing it to be there, because it will be there. It will pop up. It's part of being a human being. So I think it's very refreshing when we take it into these yoga communities and address it, that it's not something we have to transcend. It's part of who we are. And that we can be much more honest with the people we love and with everyone around us once we acknowledge it. We're here as bodies also. And it's also a way of relating to each other and just allowing it to be attraction or whatever is there, and we don't have to act on it. So it's very creative to take it up. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Next. Me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought I think a little bit what it was how it how was the <coughs> relation. It doesn't but matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, we were asked in uh, the can I call it a ritual? Mm-hmm. We were asked in the ritual to tell why we wanted to take the vows and uh, instead I said why I wanted to take the precepts course. Maybe just talk a little bit louder. Yeah. Um, so everybody back there can hear you. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I actually thought that I knew really what it was about already because I had read Michael's books. I had heard all the uh, talks from Center of Gravity, uh, maybe twice, um, and I felt like, uh, oh, that was my past. Now I know this, that these are the like rules, uh, so I'll just follow them. And then I started doing the precepts course, and there are these group exercises. And with the very first one, you sit two and two and. Uh, the person uh, that is your partner asks you what stops you. And it was an instruction that if the person didn't answer, uh, the one who was asking would just ask again and again. So uh, with my partner, he had to keep asking and asking. Nothing came out until everything came out. And I had no idea it was there. Um, so I think, like the samskaras, all the patterns of my life, 
they were really not uh, in any way um, available for me to see. And still, it's something that I'm really, really, really working with. Um, but I have started to understand that I couldn't just say, oh, I want to follow it. Like, I want to follow the rule. I also had have to see in my everyday life, where do I lie every day to myself, to others? Uh, where do I have some ambition that's unhealthy still and that comes from previous past and from childhood and all that? And... Um, yeah, with the sexual energy that you talked about also, like, where uh, is it so deeply embedded in my body that that I'm actually, like, not, not free of it still, and what do I still have to look at, and, yeah. And uh, that was very interesting for me, because I... Have all I had focused a lot on the um, like the like more ethical intellectual part uh, of your teachings always, and maybe that was also a little bit an escape from from finding the truth in my own heart to be able to say like yes I follow the climate I also that's my struggle and and then there was some struggling that was maybe much closer to the heart or in another way. And I think the precepts course really helped me to be more humble also with, with that view mm. that it should all be like political and yeah, some more balance mm. there. Mm. Was that two minutes? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody want to respond? <coughs> um, I think it was interesting that you said you were thinking so much before that you have this and yeah, you read all the books and listen to everything. And I think that's the problem for many people. Literally me. You read, you learn, and sometimes you don't have the tools to feel it. You're trying to, but mm-hmm. you have to do it on your own, and it mm-hmm. gets so hard mm-hmm. because you don't have anyone to reflect with or to talk with. You're just trying on your own to yeah. live this life with all all the information you have. Yeah. So that was really interesting. To it's just inspiring to take in the course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> feeling or connect to... Just speak a little louder yes. so they can hear <clears throat> some, some, Somehow I have the feeling or, or maybe a connection I can connect to a fear that, that you have to to be honest to yourself about how you are and, and just take it in and let it be. Mm-hmm. And intellectualize instead of feeling. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thank you. I want every person just to keep sitting here. <laughs> A little. <laughs> Say more. Fred Perry is going to speak next. Yeah. <laughs>
which is the funniest thing. These situations make me dead scared. So I can teach yoga classes where there's not as many people and it doesn't, doesn't do anything, but this is really, really scary for me. I'm going to try. So um, what I'm going to speak about is what it was like doing the course with my partner, as in my intimate partner, which is Rikke. Um Which I'm really happy that I got to speak about because it was something that I gave a lot of thought. Um, so I think I'll uh, take it in uh, before, during and after because it was really different, those three stages. Um, before we started the course, I was really nervous about it. And it surprised me because what, was, what made me nervous was that I was going to be so honest with the person that is most close to me. And, and it seems kind of contradictory, but... Um, yeah, the thought of doing these, uh, the exercise that that uh, that Rege, uh, explained, um, where, where you just have to kind of you go into this flow and you just have to speak like immediately, you don't have time to think. And I was afraid what was going to come out. Um, it turned out really well. <laughs> um, but but that was really surprising that 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 was something that made me so nervous. Um, during the course, the best thing that happened was this actually the same exercise where I had to sit and listen to Rikke talk for 20 minutes without I having to interrupt her and do anything but just listen to her speak and, and, and listen to what, what came out of her like from a place she didn't even know herself. So that's probably the 20 minutes that I've uh, gotten to learn her the most, uh, to know her the most, which is quite amazing. And of course we've talked about doing it, doing it again and again, and we never do it, <laughs> because we need someone to tell us to do it, but um, yeah, maybe we will sometime. Um, yeah, and also the famous Brahmacharya principle, again, it surprised me that that was something that was so scary to talk with the partner that actually is my sexual partner. But it was just something that was just so, uh, yeah, so, so uh, fear-provoking to, to actually bring it up and, and talk about these intimate things. Um, and so helpful. So like being forced to actually talk about it was, was really good. And the after part, uh, the key word here is trykhed. Um, what would that be in English? Confirm. Yeah. That that trykhed. Trykhed. Yeah. Yeah. So knowing that security security is probably better. Yeah. So knowing that my partner has the same or is working with the same ethical principles that I am is something that makes me feel really safe in, in, in our relationship. Knowing that, that uh, Rikke is also doing her utmost to, to, to uh, not harm with her sexual energy, for example, is, is just really nice to know. 
and 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 also like truthful all the principles like knowing that we are both doing our best to work with this is a is a really great strength in uh, in an intimate relationship thank you Thank you. Are you going to be here for the next few days? And you're going to be here for the next few days? You're not. So you should go next because we might have to stop after Michaela because we'll run out of time. You're going to be here. Okay. Yeah. So um, Michael asked me to talk about how um, this course uh, affected my family life, and um, I have um, three children who are have a daughter who is six years old and two sons who are three years old. They're twins. So for the last three years, my um, my the primary practice for me has just been parenting, and um, so this course also. Uh, impacted my family life in different ways. And uh, one of uh, the ways was that when I was working with Astea, together with my partner and also in writing an essay we were supposed to write, I realized that in my relationship with my daughter, I tried to um, make her fit into uh, my view of how I would like her to be and uh, make her be in a way that fitted into my life in order to feel better myself. And um, and then when stopping up and, and stepping back I and, and letting her be um, who she is, it, um, it, it, she unfold, I realized that she is unfolding more and also that the intimacy in our relationship has increased. And um, also, um, when we were working with Brahmacharya, I, um, I was wondering where, where is this uh, creative energy in my life? Where is this sexual energy? I, I couldn't really see it. And I realized that all these like household tasks and striving to be a good mother and work, having a working life also, that just didn't leave any room for creative energy. And... Um, Seeing that uh, also made me like sad and uh, made me uh, feel like I should, I should be more kind to myself. I should not be like so hard to myself. Uh, reading all these books about how to be a good mother and then not being <laughs> able to uh, to live up to all these uh, good all, what is it, advices, guidelines, and um, and and that uh, that has benefited also our family life. That there is more space for creative energy now mm-hmm. uh, and and also i am um, i'm trying to uh, be satisfied with what we have uh, and i'm every morning i really try to be grateful for our family and uh, knowing that michael two years ago said that um, he would not have more children i'm i'm also comfortable here saying that i'm i'll be satisfied with the number of Children <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Does anybody want to respond? Admiring to do such a work with so small children. Hmm. 
Such a good job of listening. <laughs> okay. Uh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, Michael told me to tell about. I took the vows a year ago from this day or something like that. And I took the precepts course uh, two years ago, I think. Uh, so, what happened since I took the vows? Um, I broke them a lot also. Yeah, I really, I really realized this when I come back here. I've been here like five times, I think. So I really see that it's difficult for me. Um, and I try not to punish myself or tell myself I'm a bad person because I didn't do how the vows uh, telling me and how I should try to live my life. One thing that was very um, learning for me was the Ahimsa part because uh, I, I can't remember, maybe one and a half year ago I was really, my body was hurting, everything, I was feeling like a very old woman, not like 41, even though I look older, you said. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I was um, actually talking to Michael's Karina about diet and how I was living my life and eating and I was a vegan and I was not eating any animal I love animals and all that and she tried to tell me that maybe you should have some bone broth what is it called? Bone, this, bone broth? Yeah broth where you put all the bones and meat together and make a big bowl of I don't know soup I didn't start with that though but I tried to let go of some all the restriction I had from my idea of being a good uh, human being and a yogic and all that. So I had to start by eating a little eggs and I had to take care of myself because my body was not in a good state. So uh, not harming myself uh, and I try to not harm myself as much as I maybe did before in different ways. And um, I was supposed to tell a little bit about what we did in the other room. Uh, these beautiful people that was in there was taking their vows because they took the precept course. And um, we asked uh, <coughs> if the person can take refuge in the Buddha and the Dharma and the Sangha. And uh, I asked 
for example, Bettina twice the same question and she is saying yes. And the last question is asked by Michael and she is saying yes also. <laughs> and we do that with all of them. We go around and ask the question three times. And then we start with the precepts also, asking if they could try to live their life by the different precepts. And then we put on the disco music and we dance. <laughs> quietly. Very quietly. <laughs> yeah, so that was, it was really nice. And, but also difficult to... I wanted to ask the question and really make it a question, not just repetition. So, yeah. Okay. So if you want to ask something, wait. <laughs> Sorry? Oh, much better. Yeah. Because I also ask advice to Karina. Yeah. She has changed my life. Yeah. I was also very not feeling good at all. Yeah. There was also some other things about vitamins because the lack of D vitamins up here in the north. So, yeah. You look 31. Sorry? No, she doesn't. My <laughs> so, can I sit? Yeah. I would like to um, give you my gratitude because we've been talking about some of these issues as well, you and me. Um, and I'm very happy that you have sort of led the way. <laughs> uh, because it's much easier when you have somebody who has gone through. Uh, some difficulties that you're going through yourself and that you can sort of uh, learn by and, <laughs> and get support by. So I'm very happy. Thank you. And thank you for asking the questions in a very good way. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I also wanted to say that the, it was very nice that you both ask those questions. And for me, that was you, Heidi, like you, you really represent the Sangha also, in a way, with your uh, like embracing. And all the attempts also to make. Yeah, I really tried to do the Sangha thing, but then I'm like, giving it up a little bit and hoping someone else will take over because it's not that easy. Yeah. Okay. When we do the, the precept ceremony, we all sit together and, and like Heidi just said, you get asked, uh, can you uphold the precept of nonviolence? And then you say, yes. And then you get asked again, can you uphold the precept of nonviolence? You have to think about it. Okay, I can do it. And then again, third time. Yeah. So lately when we've been doing it, instead of me asking the questions three times, I usually ask someone in the group to come in and ask the question a couple times so they can be part of it. So uh, I was going to ask uh, either Heidi or Annette, because uh, she's done the precepts also. But then in the break, I said to Bodo, uh, 
do you think you could take over the ringing bell job from Annette? Because uh, I want to take Annette into the other room so that she can help me. And she's like, no way. (laughs) So then I said, Peter, you've done this so many times. Could you take over Annette's job, please? And he said, no. (laughs) So then Bodil said, well, Heidi only has to do one bell. So maybe Heidi can do it. <laughs> so just just so you know, Annette, that's why Heidi got asked. <laughs> yeah. But we're going to work on the bell ringing a little bit, <laughs> so other people can we can spread the job out to other people. And also, you were not here in the meditation because it was quite a bowing mess. It was a bowing mess. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, actually, I wanted to say too that uh, you you might have all kinds of ideas when I'm not in the room, uh, but it's really important sometimes when we're doing these workshops for you guys to practice without me in here. And to figure it out together, because uh, then you have to embody the, the practice more. It's healthy. Um, uh, one of the things that I learned leading Center of Gravity over the years is um, when it was time for me to stop teaching last year, I, um, I noticed how many people's uh, practice was dependent on me being present. And then I thought, oh, this is a failure in my teaching, that uh, I have to get better at uh, empowering people to practice without me. <laughs> so I hope everybody hears that. So I'm not going to come for the rest of the next three days. <laughs> and you figure out the mess together. <laughs> and let me know how it goes. <laughs> I'm never coming back. <laughs> So thank you, everybody, who shared. Um, uh, everything... Oh, yeah. Uh, I actually wanted to ask uh, the guys here in the Sangha, mm. if, um, because I'm an outsider. <laughs> yeah. um, do you meet up and sit together here? Or how does the Sangha work? We have tried a million times to like organize something, and it's so high. It's been the most successful, I think. We've had Annette has been leading like drop-in meditations mm-hmm. here, and nobody shows. Mm-hmm. And we've had it in the other studio too, and nobody shows. Mm-hmm. When we leave the group, everybody's really excited, and yes, mm-hmm. we have to continue. Mm-hmm. But then we get caught up in everyday life, and it mm-hmm. doesn't really happen. Mm-hmm. So there is no like the, the sangha is the one meeting once every year <laughs> mm-hmm. when Michael is here mainly, and then there's been some yeah. things in between. But it's not like that's not offset. No, no. And, and I mean, a lot of people stay in touch through the online courses. Yeah. And, uh, and that's why we're adding a silent retreat to our year, to get people to drop in even more deeply. And uh, when you have the baby, if you want to come on the silent retreat, we'll figure out a way really? where you can come and we'll find a way to do it. And you can nurse. And <laughs> Well, the baby will be too young to, nurse, to, to babysit. Uh, but you guys can take turns, and we'll figure it. We'll make we'll make a way okay. to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
We'll figure it out. We'll bend the rules. Because then we'll have a Buddha, a real live Buddha. We won't even have an altar on the retreat. We'll just stick the baby. <laughs> we'll bring like a little car seat or something. <laughs> we'll put the baby on the altar. Wouldn't that be so good? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah. We'll just force their legs into lotus and stick them up there. Okay. <laughs> so thank you everybody for coming. And uh, I know for some of you this is the last uh, of our workshop together. Um, um, I'm going to be in Europe so many times this year. Uh, now I'm I'm uh, on uh, I'm teaching in uh, I don't remember. I go from here to um, Vienna, and then to uh, Athens, and then to Zurich. Uh, in uh, February, I'm teaching for six days in London at a place called Yoga Campus, which is run by two fantastic people. They have a great place there. And then I'm also going to be um, in France, in the south of France, in Antibes uh, in February. And then in um, June is the silent retreat. And having a silent retreat in Europe is a huge amount of work for me to organize. Um, but I'm doing it because you convinced me last time I was here. So I really hope that you, you work hard and save your pennies and ask people for gifts and find a way to come and, and really drop in in a silent retreat is really profound and beautiful. There's nothing about the retreat on the net. Yeah, so I have a new website that's being built right now. And I, I think. Looking for the, the, the information in your folder, the, the site that yeah. was mentioned, the, the, there was nothing about the retreat there. Oh, it's there. Yeah. Uh, if you look, uh, there's a section called Summer Retreat, and it describes the retreat, and then there's two locations one in New York and one in France. It should be there. I mean, when I looked, it was there. Yes, okay. It's on the bottom. It doesn't have all the details. It does mention. I don't know. Is it hard to understand? Yeah. No, it's not hard to understand. It's definitely, you can tell there's a retreat. But yeah. it doesn't give a fame. I don't think it has a price there. I couldn't find anything at all. Oh. Oh. Where's the brochure? Does anybody have it with them? Let's just double check, because I don't, I don't want to say something that's not true. So uh, if you open this up, it says a schedule of the retreat here. Uh, summer meditation retreats, and there's two. One in New York, and one in France. Yeah, but there's a website, so I was looking Oh, you didn't find it on their website? No, but when it'll go up on their website when it goes up on my website, and my website comes out in 10 days. So I have a new website. It's very exciting. MichaelStoneTeaching.org. It was the most complicated thing to build. You have no idea. <laughs> um, anyway, um, it'll be ready soon. It's really beautiful. And, uh, and it'll have all the details of the silent retreat. So, um, yeah. and, and when it goes up there, then these guys will link to it. So you can get through either site. But, th but that's really what the schedule is going to be like. 
And the price of her retreats is around $100 a day or something like that. Is there any opportunity to, to bring a partner that is not at all interested in, in, in this thing? He, for example, he could uh, help in washing the dishes or something, but he's not interested in the retreat? And during the day they just go off and yeah. do something? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Let's think about it. But if you think that that would be the best way to come, then we can probably figure it out. Um, but probably they wouldn't interact with the group at all. Um, so let's think about it. But I think it could work. We could probably find a way for it to work. Yeah. All right? I just have a practical uh, comment. We yeah. have a class starting at four, and we need the space white. Mm -hmm. Can we please agree to stuff whatever you leave? So take with you what you can, but whatever you leave in the behind the door mm -hmm. over there. If something doesn't fit in there, we can put it up on the mat shelves. But don't leave glasses or bottles or mats or cushions around. So in there or the oh, we're not done yet. We haven't chanted. Uh, Michael, do you want to leave the chant? Sleep well. Some of you I will see tomorrow. Some of you I might never see again. And some of you I hope to see you again soon. <laughs>